0: Start to make our way to our seats. Welcome to Burning Tree Ministry. We are glad that you are here this afternoon. Before um, we get into the word today, um, we have a special announcement. Special announcement. And that is, um, go ahead, Joe, why don't you come on up here? We have the unveiling. So if you don't know what this is, this is the banner. This is the banner um, for last year's BTM Cup winner, which is L.A. House Church. We want to say congratulations to L.A. House Church. They won our BTM Cup last year. And um, Joe's going to go ahead and hang it up. We have a wall back there. Um, called BTM Cup Winners, and every year, the winning house church is going to have their banner hung. It's like it, we're pretending like we're the NBA or something, right? Um, but this is um, you know just a way that we show honor and appreciation and love for our house churches um, and all that they do. So we want to say thank you very much to Kairos. Thank you, Kairos, for getting the banner printed. It looks really good. That looks awesome. looks really cool. Um, and thank you so much to L.A. House Church for um, your guys' um, efforts last year. And I believe, I believe L.A. House Church is leading in the standings already. I know. They're like the warriors, man. We got to stop them. But they did get like a month head start, right? You guys started like like a month early. Like some of you guys just started your school year, right? Some of you guys just started. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Well, regardless, you know, we have fun, um, you know, competing, but really, we're all on the same team, okay? We're all on the same team. We celebrate um, one another. Um, and if you have no idea what the heck we're talking about, our BTM Cup is a is a is a friendly competition between house churches. Every year we compete to outdo one another in good works. Okay, so we we uh, you know we track um, all the evangelistic outreaches and intercessory prayer meetings and outreaches to the poor. All of these things are tracked. Um, if you would like to be involved, talk to your house church leader. If you're not in a house church, we invite you come check out one of our house churches. We have house churches that. Meet every single week, midweek, um, and there absolutely is one semi close to where you are, unless you're in Santa Barbara. Sorry. <laughs> okay. With that, we're going to get into the word. We have a special, um, special uh, day today. I'm going to be tag teaming with our intern pastor, Nick. Come on up here, buddy. And before, before Nick shares, let me, let me say this. Having Nick on our staff team this year has been such an incredible blessing for us. If you don't know Nick, Nick is one of the most amazing people I know, period. He, he is a truly humble and serious servant of God, and he, I feel so challenged just being around him all the time. He's always evangelizing. We went out to eat last night, he was evangelizing. I was like, man... Why you got to make me look bad all the time, bro? No, but honestly, he, he really lives what he preaches. Amen. So he's got an awesome word today.
1: Hey, guys. You know what I always say before I, when I approach people and stuff like that, I always say, hi, my name is Nick, and uh, I was wondering if I can pray for you about anything. And so, hi, my name is Nick, and I would like to pray. <laughs> so if you could uh, bow your heads with me Uh, thank you so much God for this day and um, yeah just for yourself Lord and uh, the fact that we get to meet all together and laugh together cry together um, and be there with one another and for one another God Uh, thank you so much God for Pastor Dennis and for his family God and for all the servants that we have both on staff and just student servants as well Lord Thank you, God, for all the newcomers that you brought today, and I I pray, Father, that you would be glorified today, Lord, that people would have an encounter with you, that Holy Spirit, we we welcome you, God, to do what you want to do. So thank you, Father. We love you so much, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So yeah, dude, my name's Nick, and uh, today we're going to be talking about love, right? And... Yeah, it's, a good, it's a, such a good thing, right? <laughs> to be honest, like, when I first got saved, I had, like, such a skewed vision of what love really was like. And in the very beginning, I thought love was to tell people the gospel, right? And there's a hint of truth in that, right? Like, yes, you know, the best thing, the most loving thing that you can do to people is share with them the gospel, the, the message of salvation, Right? the message of reconciliation, that we can be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him once again. But as I kept doing that, my main goal in evangelism was always just to share the gospel and then kind of sprinkle love on top of that. But God had to rebuke me one summer and he's like, you're doing it all wrong, right? Because what's the point of sharing the gospel without love, right? Because all your seeds that you're sowing are being sown Onto the path, onto the hard soil, and they're not gonna take root. And I was like, oh shoot, I gotta repent. And <laughs> so I, I just started to repent, and I turned away from that. I was like, dude, that's the wrong way. And so now God had to reteach me what it really means to evangelize, what it really means to share Jesus with other people. And it's love. Because love goes beyond all logic and reasoning, right? Love goes beyond all hardness of heart. Love goes beyond any other thing in this world, because the love that we possess is a love that is not of this world, it's something that's greater, it's supernatural, and that's what I'm going to share about today, so if you have your Bibles, and I think we're going to have it on the slide, but it's John chapter 17, and I'm supposed to just do like a really quick, short, simple one, so we're just going to look at one verse. And it's verse 23. And so as you guys are going there, I'll give you guys a little bit of context in the midst of all this. And so this is actually Jesus' high priestly prayer, right? And this is right before he's about to get crucified, right? And so he's praying this prayer, but he's praying this prayer to us. It's, It's about us. It's about People that are in Christ, right? The people whom God has given over to Jesus. And so he kind of explicitly says before um, this verse, quite a ways up. He says, like, I'm not praying actually for the world. I'm just praying for the ones that you've given me, right? That you're giving me. So this is actually for us, right? And this is Jesus' explicit prayer for you and for me. And so are you guys there? Verse 23? (laughs) Cool. So he says, I in them... And you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And the whole point of this message, my, my little part today, I'm trying to share with you guys that there's a deep love that God has for us. And many times we think about love and we say, sacrifice. I totally agree. Love is Sacrifice. Right? We think about affections and we think about like romantic feelings and, and all, all these things, right? But I, I feel like the deepest love actually is oneness, right? Love is actually one, right? When you tell someone, hey, I love you, what you're, what you're actually saying, in the, if, you, if you mean like a deep, intimate love, what you're saying is, I want to become one with you. Right? That's why in the Bible it's written that a man shall join with the woman and they shall become one flesh. Right? Love is about unity, right? But for them it was one flesh. But for us, we've become one with the spirit. So now we're one in spirit, right? So, so here's the thing. God, even when God speaks to us, when he says, I love you, he doesn't mean like it's just about the sacrifice. It's just about my affections for you he's saying, I want to become one with you. And what's awesome is you and me, we're living testimonies of that because God lives in me and I've become one with God. Isn't that crazy? Like God, so that's why, that's why when Paul talks about love, when he talks about unity in the church, right, he's saying, hey, when you suffer, I suffer, right? When he says that you rejoice, I rejoice. Why? Because my love for you is so deep that you and I are one. Right? That's, that's kind of crazy. That's really deep kind of love. And if you think that, oh, no, I don't have this kind of love. This there's, there's no way, even if the Holy Spirit lives in me, I can never love someone to the point where I can say, I love you. I want to become one with you. I want your life to be my life, and I want my life to be your life. Like, it's possible, though. Right? Do you like, when I'm out there evangelizing, sometimes God does some crazy stuff in my heart, right? And I've had moments where I'm literally weeping with a stranger, right? Because they're sharing with me their struggles, and God gives me that insight, a little bit of what, they, what they've been through, and I just start weeping next to them. And then they start weeping with me, because because they, you know, we just, just cry, you know, like, you know, I used to go to Cal State Fullerton, and um, there, there was this one girl, uh, she had a son that was sick, right, and, and I, I, I kind of understood that too, and so we were praying for her. We're out on Titan Walk, which is like the, the hub, like everyone has to pass through there, right, but we were there, right, in the middle of everyone, and we were on our knees, we were lifting up our hands, and we were both crying, and we were both praying, so it's like kind of like a weird thing, but, but what's amazing is God answered that prayer, and her son who was dying is now healed, and he's, he's back at school, right? Like, and so what, what's amazing, right, is that you can actually love people. God can give you that ability. It's not in me, right, and it's not in us, but it's in God. God can give us that ability to love someone so much to the point where you get to say, I love you. I want to become one with you. Right? It's so amazing, and it, it, it makes sense. Uh, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on how it makes sense, but... Um, Actually, I'm gonna skip all that. I want to go to 1 John. Um, you guys don't have to turn that. I think it's gonna be up on the screen. But even God, right? God in the very beginning, he always says here, he said, Hear, O Israel. It's is the Shema, it's like the, the greatest commandment, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then in 1 John, he says, God is love. So do you make that connection? Like God says, I'm one but he also says, I am love, right? So even in that in itself, God is saying, love is still one, right? This is just a little bit more evidence before I just get into it, right? And so going, going to Mark 12, right, where he says, the, Jesus says, the most important commandment is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Right? And I think a lot of us understand that. But I think the second one always trips people up. Everyone always misinterprets this, or they just don't know how this works alongside this first, this commandment, right? And he says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so what he's saying here is, when you love God, Right? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When he, what he's saying by love is not just my affections of my heart, the affections of my mind. Right? He's literally saying here, when you become one with me, right? When you love me to the point where you become one with me, then this will actually overflow into the second, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then everything just starts to make sense, right? Like, oh, love my neighbor as myself? Well, it's because I, myself is in my neighbor right? I am in my neighbor. I am a part of Kevin and Jason and Pastor Dennis and Josh. Like, I am in them. I love them as I love myself, because he is now a part of me. She is now a part of me, and this is what happens. The closest way that we can understand this is through marriage, right? That, like, marriage is the, is the symbol of God's love for us, and when a man and a woman come together, when they say, I love you, when they say their I do's, right? What they're saying is, I want to become one with you. I want to share my, my deepest, darkest secrets, but also the highest of glories. Right? I, I want to become one with you. I want you to know me from the inside and the out. It's, it's so amazing. And so if we claim to have unity with Christ, and if Christ lives in all of those who believe, then we should have unity with one another. Right, For in marriage, the two become one flesh when they say their I do's. But we have said our I do's to the one who is of spirit. And so now we have become one with the spirit. Yeah. You know, the way that I got saved is because I I was in a room of missionaries who were on fire and loved Jesus so much that even though they were strangers, when they prayed for one another, they would weep next to one another. And I was like, what? That's crazy. I don't even cry for my best friends. You know? Like, how can you weep for this stranger? Right? That made no sense to me. But it brought me to a place where I realized these people have something that I don't have. And the only thing that they, that they had that I didn't have was Jesus. Right? The world is not going to know us by the way that we preach the gospel, by our style, by by our formulas and our strategies. The world will know us by our love. And so love actually is the most important thing. But love is also the hardest thing. Yeah. And what we we can see, if we can bring that Mark commandment back up, is that Jesus, people think that these are two separate commandments, but they're not. (laughs) Right? He says... There is no other commandment greater than these. And if you, if you can come to grips and understand that love is one, then this commandment makes sense. Right? That a oneness with God means a oneness with people. <laughs> and if you can't understand that, right, because a lot of us have been heard, like, oh, I, I'm one with God, but I'm not one with the church, then you're, you don't know what love is, you know? Yeah, the alarms are blaring right now because you got to repent. <laughs> and so here's the thing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done here. I'm just here to just drop this on you guys and let you guys sit with this and let you guys work with this and let you guys process through this, right? Because we're going through a series about loving one another, about loving our neighbor, that's impossible if we don't first know what love means, right? And so I want us to be in that place. I'm not perfectly there, right? I'm not, even though I'm sharing all these testimonies, right? I'm not perfectly there. There's, there's times where I'm not in oneness with someone else, right? Where I'm not in oneness with my family, where I'm not in oneness with, you know, the staff here and, and my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And, and I think that's just kind of natural. But we're supposed to live in the supernatural right and so i'm i'm striving for that i'm striving for oneness with every single person when i when i when i like you know we at wellspring right and because of this revelation has been sitting in my heart for like the past year right i go up to kevin and I'm like, i started kind of crying to him and i was like hey man i don't know if i've hurt you in any way right but i want to say that i love you brother because for me right for me to say when i when i want to when i tell people i love you i want to say like, what I really mean, right, is I want to become one with you, right? I want to fight. I want to cry. I want to do all those things. When you hurt, I want to hurt. Not because I'm a masochist, but because I love you, right? And here's the thing, man. There's no difference between me and you, right? There's, there's really no difference. And so, man, I believe that all of us here, with understanding that love actually is one, that we can actually come together as one body, Right, One faith, one baptism, if you could get that Ephesians passage up. right. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's all about being one. And this was Jesus' prayer before he went to the cross. And I want us to step into Jesus' prayer and actually be the answer and fulfillment of his prayer. Amen? Cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I'm just going to jump on top of that. You know, Jesus says something really profound in that John 17 passage. He says, the world will know who they are by the way that they love one another. Right? And I think... You know, Nick brought up this, this really important element. I think a lot of times when we think about loving one another, we think of it in terms of trying to be nice to one another, right? Um, being nice to one another, I don't want to say that that's not loving. Of course, that's part of love. But I think Nick is highlighting something that's really important. It's not about just being nice to one another. It's, it's about deciding, making a decision to become one with them. And that's a totally different thing. Does that make sense? That's a totally different thing from, because I can be nice, you know, I can be nice t- to anyone, but it's a completely different thing to say that I want to share in your life, and I want to share in your struggles, and I want to share in your difficulties, and in all of that. The things, you know, when we talk about marriage, you know, Nick brought up marriage. When we talk about marriage, you know, people think of the movies, right, they think of the glorious moments, right, when you're falling in love and, and all this kind of stuff, but really, that's, that's really one part of marriage that's really important, um, but they never want to talk about all the, the difficult aspects of marriage, right, the hardships that you have to overcome in marriage, right, the, the times where you discover things about your husband or your wife that you're like, oh my gosh, I did not realize I was making myself one with this, right? <laughs> right? All, all, all the, the, the aspects of marriage that aren't the, the candy coating on top, but is the real substance of it. But the reality is that's where the glory is. If I could be honest, that's where the glory is. God really had to take me through process, you know, in my own marriage where I started to recognize that a lot of the glory of marriage is that it's forcing me to deal with, with this stuff that I never would have dealt with otherwise, right? I never would have had to deal with all this kind of stuff unless I was so committed that until death do us part, right? I would have signed off a long time ago, right? And by the way, when I say this, right, we're one, okay? My, this, is the, this is the truth for every marriage, right? The truth of, of every marriage is every marriage has difficulty because that's, because there's difficulty within all of us, right? In overcoming the difficulty together, that's what makes marriage glorious, right? It provides the opportunity to grow and to become someone who can love in a greater way. So hear me right now. I'm just, um, I haven't even gotten to my, my, my short message yet, but I want to lovingly challenge you right now because I feel an unction on it. For some of you, there's a there's a mentality about church where you're like, I want to give as much as I can get, right? I want, to, I want to be part of something if I can get something good about it. But once I start having to deal with the hard aspects of intimacy, I want to bail at that point. And I want to lovingly tell you this. It's not, hey, you know, no, you must do whatever we want you to do or something like that. No, but you're missing out on the on what the glory of love is really about. You're missing out on it because you're bailing on the process right when it's starting to get good. Right when it's starting to challenge you in real ways to bring you face to face with some of the, the some of the realities of how it's difficult for you to love these kinds of people, right? And I like You know, I like playing games with these people, but I don't actually want to share, you know, my sins and stuff. Well, let me tell you, man, you're just getting to the good part, okay? It's just starting to become something that's actually able to bless your life in the long run. It's just starting to become something that's really valuable You're the one who has to make the choice. Okay, in this place, in the place of difficulty, do I still choose oneness? I tell you, all the time, you know, I I challenge us when we're dealing with issues of character, I always say this, tackle it now. Tackle it now because the person of character that you become now, you're going to take it into your future family. You are a young adult if you're in this room You're a young adult. I challenge you, deal with it now. Get as healed as you can now. Learn what commitment is now. Let me put it to you another way. If you can't commit to an accountability group, do you think you're going to be able to commit to a spouse? Some of you are like, "Oh, but no, that's going to be totally different." Because that's you know, my 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 husband, my wife is going to be perfect in every way, and I'm just going to want to be with them all the time. No, let me let me challenge you. It it it, it usually starts off like that, right? Which is wonderful. And then you're going to run into the reality of intimacy. Okay? This is every marriage. Every marriage goes through this. Why is it that every, you know, what are the statistics on marriage right now? You know, it's something like up to 60%. I think it's around 60% of marriages end in divorce right now. And I always say, you know, of the 40% that don't end in divorce, we, we know that many of them are r- relatively loveless marriages, right? We understand that of those, you know, parents that, that do stay together, those husband and wife couples that stay together, many of them are, ha- lack all semblance of intimacy, Am I making sense? So really, the percentage of those marriages that are able to enjoy lifelong intimacy is so small. Why? Why? Our culture will tell us, oh, it's because you need to do a really good job picking the person. Right? That's always when it comes down to people are so Afraid that they're gonna pick the wrong person, they gotta pick the right person, they gotta find Mr. Right. That's why I have this conversation with the people when they tell me, Oh, there's nobody, Pastor Dennis. I'm like, You live in a, in a city of, of millions, right? I always, you know, you should try going to Texas. Then you'll really have to work on, you know, integrating with people who don't look like you and whatnot, right? So my point is this: the issue is not you picking the perfect person, it's not you, it's not you finding, you know, that dream person. It really isn't. Hear me. It's not so much about finding the dream person. This is something that is is so important for us to understand because that's the lie of our culture, right? That's what our culture is preaching constantly. That's the message of every romantic movie you've ever seen in your life, okay? And can we be honest with it? It doesn't work. Why? Because that is one small part of a much greater reality. It has much more to do with you becoming a person of character who knows how to commit in a real way, because that's what love actually is. Love isn't actually being really good looking. Some people are proud because people are attracted to them all the time, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And what you don't realize is if you somehow attract lots of people, can I just be honest, that's usually not a very good thing. It usually means it's because you're sending little signals of flirtation all over the place. (laughs) Struck a nerve on that one. Holy cow. But in our culture, this is what's glorified. And so we become people who are always comparing ourselves to those people who everyone seems to be attracted to, not realizing that that's not the stuff that matters. Can I tell you, if you are rich and wealthy and good-looking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's actually a handicap against you. I know that sounds weird, but you know what? There's a book that says something a lot like that. It says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they they don't actually believe it. Like, that's that's a nice saying. But they don't believe it, right? Because they don't realize that the substance of intimacy is a character that knows how to be one, right? Is a character that knows how to be one, knows how to go through the difficult times and the good times to give thanks for all the blessings, to be in constant, a sense of thanksgiving and gratitude for the blessings that exist and to have a confidence that we're going to overcome every hardship that we come across. We're going to overcome it. We're going to get through it. In fact, we rejoice in our trials, knowing that our trials build perseverance and character and a hope that cannot, will not disappoint. Why? Because our hope isn't built into another person, meaning this, our hope is not that that person is going to change in the way that I really want them to. Sometimes that's how we see intimacy, right? It's like, man, if I only had that house church, right, that had these types of people, right, if I only had a house church that I could really click with, right, if I only had a community of people that liked the same video games that I like, right, all these shallow criteria, then I would be happy, right? Then I would be able to have intimate relationships. Then I would be able to, etc., etc., etc. Brothers and sisters, no, 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 no. The commitment is what enables you to change into a person who's able to love anyone that God puts in front of you. Am I making sense? Right this is the challenge of what of what Nick is talking about this idea of oneness. I want to lovingly challenge you because I sense it in the spirit right now. Oh would you commit to brothers and sisters to oneness with them, right? Not just in having fun. I I do hope that you have fun with them. But not just fun. All the stuff of intimacy which is really about about revealing, exposing who you are on the inside and letting them do the same and declaring that you're going you're gonna to walk through it with them, right? About being one with them. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to run very quickly into the limitations of your ability to love. And I want to say when that happens, rejoice. Rejoice because it's time to grow, It's time to change. What we need to understand is there's a reason why we rejoice in these trials in these difficulties. That's what Scripture always says. It says to rejoice in these things. Why? Do you realize if you don't have those trials and difficulties, you never become mature. It's impossible to become mature if you never embrace the process of overcoming difficulties. Our confidence is not that we're going to become so amazing that we're going to overcome it, our confidence is that God promises that he's going to help us, right? And that's where you see God show up in your life. When you say things like this, God, I can't do this. I can't love this person. This person is too difficult, God. But you promised you would give help, right? You promised God that you give help to the humble. So God, I'm... I'm calling out for your help. I'm building my life with an expectation that you have to show up in it. Am I making sense? That's the position where God actually does show up. So let me lovingly challenge you today. This is what this entire series is about. Let, let us love one another. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you five minutes of what I was originally going to talk about. Is that okay? Five minutes. Put up the verse on the board right now. <laughs> Isaiah 35. When I say five minutes, sometimes it's a little bit longer, but okay. It says this, even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring. Does that say crocuses? Holy cow. Does yours say that? I don't even know what that means. All right. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become green as the mountains of Lebanon and as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. And with this news... Strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Brothers and sisters, this is our job. Your job is to encourage one another. It's all our jobs. Not one person is exempt from this responsibility. Why? Because we all are in need of encouragement in our lives. Every single person needs encouragement in their life. And guess what? You are uniquely situated to be a source of encouragement to all those that you have relationship with. You can be the greatest source of encouragement to all of your friends, if you learn how to do it well. If you learn how to do it well. So what is encouragement? Encouragement means to fill up with courage. It doesn't mean, you know, make them feel a little bit better, okay? A lot of times, it does make them feel a little bit better, but that's not the point. The point is to fill them with courage. To fill Other people around you with courage to obey God courage to believe him courage to utilize the gifts and the abilities that you have for the right purposes let me put it to you this way discouragement is never from the Lord discouragement is never from the Lord because courage boldness is the primary fruit of the spirit it's the thing that marks every time in Scripture when it says, and Peter, filled with the Spirit, started to do something really bold. And Stephen, filled with the Spirit, did something really bold. Happens again and again and again in Scripture. Being bold is one of the signs that the Spirit of the Lord is filled the Because God is bold. He is courageous. He is never afraid. Right? God is never afraid. And timidity and fear is a really underrated vice. I've talked about this before. A lot of times we don't give timidity and fear the credit it deserves for having completely destroyed and wrecked our lives. Let me put it to you another way. A lot of people never get married. Do You know this. A lot of people never get married. And do you know why? The number one reason? Timidity and fear. A lot of people never grow into maturity, never commit to oneness with people, never commit in such a way to be able to have, to grow maturity. Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid of what people might do to them, what the pain they might cause, all these different things. Do you know that all of you have incredible spiritual gifts inside of you? But the majority of believers in America never developed the gift of God within them. Did you know that was possible? That's why Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift of God that's in you because of the laying on of hands. But fan it into flame, Stir it up. Don't let it just sit there unused. We were playing airsoft the other day. I was doing good in this game. I pushed me and Jason, we pushed all the way up one of the sides. But the problem was it was like us two, and there was like an army back there, man. How many guys were back there? Were like six or seven people. And they were all firing at Jason and I. And yeah, I got hit. It happens. Sometimes occasionally. I got hit and I and I was. Going back to my starting place, sadly, and I looked at some of my team who was sitting in the back. And I gotta confess, there was a spirit of annoyance that arose in my heart. <laughs> now, I have no idea who that was, okay? So don't, don't take it personally. Okay, I have no idea who that was. was a spirit of and I was just like, hey, you guys gotta push up? You're useless back here. It, you might as well be dead. You ain't doing anything back here guess what? That's how a lot of Christians are. They got these incredible spiritual gifts that are just sitting in there and they're too afraid to try and use them. And so it's like it's just, you know, you might as well not have any spiritual gifts. The same amount of fruit is being born. Why? Because we're afraid to step out. You've got To step out, recognize this timidity and fear is killing your destiny. So what's our job? To encourage one another, to fill each other with boldness, to pick each other back up. All of us stumble. All of us get in times where we get afraid. But that's what my brothers and sisters are for. Amen? That's what we do. We come around one another when we're struggling. We We pick each other up, we declare, we remind each other of who we are in God. One of the things I love that, you know, when we talk about accountability, I think Chris Valentin says this. He says accountability isn't about, you know, making sure the other person doesn't sin. Okay, that's not what accountability is about. Accountability is saying that I'm helping to keep you accountable to the destiny and the calling that's on your life. Right, because I know that you're called to be here. So it's not okay when you're acting down here. Why? Because I believe in you. That's the mentality that accountability is really about. Right? Because we believe in one another. We glimpse a real destiny in the lives of each other. Even when they're at their worst, we know that they have a great calling in God. We know they have incredible spiritual gifts inside of them. We know that God's plans for them are far better than they can see in this moment. Am I making sense? And so we come around them and we start to prophesy. Look, I know not every church thinks prophecy is a great thing. They're wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. I don't say that. It, that's not Dennis's opinion. That's God's opinion. Okay, God says eagerly desire that you that. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. And he goes on to explain why. Why, Paul, should we especially desire prophecy? Because he says, tongues edifies the self, but prophecy edifies the body. We build one another up. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, the purpose of prophecy he says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. To summarize what that is, prophecy is about encouragement. That's why there's a problem if when you prophesy, people always feel depressed. That's probably a demonic prophecy. People should not feel depressed after you prophesy over them. They should feel courage to do what's right. They should feel courage to go after God. They should be filled with courage because that's the point of the gift. If the fruit of your ministry of the gift is not encouragement, there's a problem, right? And so many people are afraid of demonic prophecies all the time, right? They're afraid they're going to get exposed and humiliated, all kinds of stuff. That's not what the gift is for. The gift is not to expose you and humiliate you in front of your friends, okay? That's what the devil's job is. Right? He's the accuser of the brethren. No. The heart of prophecy is that you should feel so honored that God knows you, all your junk, and he still thinks you're amazing in his eyes. I always feel so honored when I get a good prophetic word. Right? It's like, God, you know everything jacked up about me, and you still see me like this. Right? I feel. I feel encouraged. Am I making sense? So just real quick, how do we encourage one another? Number one, you need to learn to encourage yourself. You got to learn to do it. How do you do it? It's Let me give you a really practical tip. You memorize some scripture. You got to memorize some scripture, okay? You should have a better an arsenal in your pack ready to pull out and fire am I making sense somebody says Pastor Dennis you're, you suck you're terrible right I say, <laughs> I, say I am God's beloved son <laughs> right? Pastor Dennis you just messed this person up God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose right Whatever accusation comes to discourage me, I have a verse for you, buddy. You got to memorize them. You can't just hope that you'll be able to find it right when you need it. No, you memorize it when you don't need it so that you have it when you need it. Am I making sense? Memorize some scripture. Okay, have it. What I used to do when I was in high school, I would put all these scriptures all over my walls. I didn't have any formatting skills. I just printed out lists of them. And I put it next to my wall. I remember every morning I'd wake up and there'd be this piece of paper sideways. Right? It would just have these scriptures that I'm trying to memorize. Right? I encourage you, put it up. Tape. I know some of you are real artists. Okay? You can actually make it look nice. I couldn't. Make it look nice. Put your your screensaver on your phone or whatever, right? Like, just find ways to get the Bible in front of your face so that it's in your heart and you you can do spiritual warfare with it when you need it. Amen? Okay, number two, we need to let other people know the discouragements that we struggle with consistently. If there's certain ways that we tend to get discouraged all the time, you need to let people know. Let your brothers and sisters know. Let your accountability group know. Let your house church know. Why? Because then they're able to spot it, and they know exactly what to do in those situations. Am I making sense? There are different discouragements that all of us tend to struggle with. There's a lot of common ones, right? I am a failure. This is a belief that many people struggle with. Right? Every time you get a B on a test, uh, I'm a failure, right? right? Every time some little thing happens that's not perfection, it reinforces this belief, I'm a failure. You're not a failure, okay? You're not a failure. Have some scripture there to back you up in that. Amen. Have some friends that could come around and prophetically declare in your life, you're, no, you're not a failure. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. No, that's not who I am. Nobody cares about me. That's amazing because the entire point of the Bible is that God loves you so much, he sent his son to save you. Right? He suffered on a cross. He got rejected by everyone. He got separated from the Father. He did all this stuff just because he loves you. Am I making sense? So what you need to do is when things happen that provoke those discouragements, recognize the feeling, recognize it's not from God, and then start to encourage yourself. It's not the truth. This is the truth. Look, let me say it this way. If it's hard for you to say a verse, it's because there's a stronghold there. Okay? I've coached people in the past on this all the time. You know, a lot of girls, just to generalize right a lot of girls tend to struggle with a couple different lives one of them is i'm i'm not beautiful i'm, I'm ugly or something like that okay you know what you should do you should go into the mirror and declare god thinks i'm beautiful okay i'm beautiful in the lord's eyes right and if it's hard for you to do that it's because there's a stronghold the harder it is for you to do it the more important it that you do it am i making sense so if there's, a, if there's a truth that you know you struggle with, de- learn to declare it and then have your friends declare it to you. I tell you, it's so annoying. That's a good sign. The annoyance that you feel is your heart's defensive mechanisms, okay? Saying, no, I'm so afraid that that's not true. I don't like it when you say it to me, okay? How do you deal with rejected encouragement? You're trying to encourage somebody and they keep rejecting it. You know what you do? You declare it to them. Don't try and reason with them. You can't reason with their stronghold sometimes. You just tell them. I had a friend that struggled with suicide. He was very suicidal, tried to commit suicide a number of times. I went on a road trip with him, and I had made a decision. I'm not going to try and reason with my friend. I'm just going to declare into his life. So we're driving for hours, and he starts, you know, talking and getting really depressed, all this kind of stuff, and I just say, no, that's not true. God has a plan for your life. Your future is going to be amazing, right? I started to declare all this stuff, and he would get so annoyed. He's like stop it with all that Jesus stuff, right? <laughs> no, I believe in you. I'm going to pray you blessing into your life. Not going to let you go down, buddy. Right? You just declare it with them. If they get annoyed, praise God. <laughs> praise God. You can't force the truth into your heart, but when you declare it, you give them an opportunity to receive it. Am I making sense? They have an opportunity there. They need that opportunity. Even if they reject it 90% of the time, if they accept it even 10% of the time, you're giving them the opportunity. Am I making sense? Okay, lastly, I'm going I'm to close with this, okay? There's a difference between flattery and encouragement. Okay? Flattery is you're feeding their flesh. Okay? Okay? That's, that, it makes them feel good, but what it does is it makes them easier to manipulate. It makes them dependent on you as the source of their flattery. Am I making sense? What encouragement does is it strengthens them in who they are. Okay, They don't need you because they are stronger inside on their own. Am I making sense? Encouragement feeds a person's spirit, not their flesh. Okay, I don't have time to delve into into this, but I want to encourage you, you know, learn to build people up with the Bible. Okay, learn to build people up with the Bible. Don't always try to appeal to their flesh and think that that's helping them. Am I making sense? Okay, worship team, come on up. Amen, go ahead and stand up. We're going to close here. What I want you to do... Discouragement manifests in our feelings, right? When we believe our future is gonna be wonderful, when we believe blessing is on the way, when we believe we're safe, we look forward to the future, we're excited for tomorrow, we're happy, we're grateful, all this kind of stuff, it manifests in our feelings. When we believe the future is filled with peril, right? When we believe that it's gonna be hard or difficult, when we believe these things, happens is we get sad, we get depressed, we feel despair. None of those things are from God. None of those things are from God. What I want you to do, if there's, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to reveal any lies that you have believed that have caused you to become discouraged in your heart. Okay? I want you to, right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you, would you expose every source, every lie that's brought discouragement into our hearts even now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. As we worship, what I want you to do is I want you to also ask the Holy Spirit to show you the truth that will destroy that stronghold of discouragement. Okay. This is such an important thing. It... And when you get that verse, when you get that truth, write it down. Tell your friends about it. Put it up on your wall. Whatever you need to do, start to glorify that truth in your heart in this season of your life. And what it's going to do is it's going to bring freedom, a greater freedom in this season. The truth makes us free. Amen? Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. Come and meet us in this place. We're going to fix our eyes on you Right now, we just speak freedom over this room. Let every lie be broken. We break off discursion right now in Jesus' name. We break off every confidence in failure. No. Some of you have believed a lie that you're never gonna be able to overcome different sins. I wanna tell you, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. You can believe that God is going to take you from glory to glory. That's His promise. He's going to finish the work that He started in you. He's relentless. He won't leave you as you are. He's going to transform you more and more. Right now in the name of Jesus, we rebuke every lie that says we'll never overcome these strongholds, never overcome these difficulties. We rebuke that lie right now in the name of Jesus.